Old Testament reading and sermon passage is Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, the king of Israel, came to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sherjashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Ramalia. Because Syria, with Ephraim, and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it. Let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within sixty-five years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the, virgins shall con the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days have not been come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Our New Testament passage this morning is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we lift up your name because you are good and gracious to us. When we are weak in faith, you have given us promises and signs to strengthen us. When we were deep in sin, you've given us the truth of your salvation, the good news that we may put our faith in. Lord, we pray that this morning your word would be opened up, that it would be made plain to us that it would resonate deeply within our hearts, that our eyes and ears would be opened, that we may be changed to become more and more conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we grow in grace, grow in faith, by the power of your Spirit, and through your Word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This time of year, we are always looking forward. It is the season of Advent, the coming. Something is coming, and we're anticipating it, and it's building. And we have little hints and things that make us look forward and anticipate a little bit more. The Christmas songs coming on the radio, the Christmas shopping you're probably, hopefully already doing, and just little bits here and there, the smells, the sights, the chill in the air, make us feel more and more and more that this thing is coming, this Christmas day that we're looking forward to celebrating. That day is the day that we celebrate the coming of a Savior, the coming of Jesus Christ. And this period is a reflection of what happens in history because there is a promise and a promise, and a promise after promise that there would be someone to come. There was a promise in Genesis 3 that the offspring of the woman would come and crush the head of the serpent. There was a promise to Abraham that all the families in the world, all the nations in the world at another time, would be blessed through his offspring. There was a promise to David that his throne would last forever, that his offspring would sit on it forever. It's promise after promise looking forward, and people waited in anticipation, looking forward, waiting for this thing. What is, when is it going to come? And in our waiting, God gave not only these promises, but he gave us signs things that would verify it, things that would show this is what I am talking about. 
one of those signs, the most famous sign, is the virgin birth. This is so recognized, even people who know next to nothing about Christianity know about the virgin birth. That's something that they would associate, that they would put in the little bucket of Christian things, the virgin birth of Jesus. It's something that we speak of every year uh, when we're singing songs. We just sang, round yon virgin, mother and child. We say it in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The same in the Nicene Creed. For for us and our salvation, he, Jesus, came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. These things are repeated and important. But why? What is this sign? Where did it come from? Why is this significant? We just read Isaiah 7. This is the source of that sign. This is the source of that promise. And it came at a time in Judah's history when everything was crashing down. Everything was going wrong. We read, when the house of David was told, that is, Ahaz being the king of Judah from the house of David, Syria is in league with Ephraim, So this outsider enemy is in league with your own brother tribe. They're ganging up. They're ganging up against you to take you down. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. This news is so terrifying and terrible. They, they are already under the boot of the Assyrian Empire. And now their own brother tribe is in league with another enemy to come and squash them, to take them down because they're not doing what they want. And the response for Ahaz and his people is that they're terrified. Their, their heart is shaking like a great gust of wind would shake the trees They have no strength left inside them. They're terrified. They're facing the prospect of losing everything. Have you ever faced that possibility of losing what was most dear to you, of your life coming crashing down? Maybe your job was just hanging on by a thread. Maybe you completely lost your job and you don't know what to do. Maybe your family life is falling apart and you don't know how to fix it. It looks like it's just going to slip through your fingers. Maybe there's a sickness in your family that is, you just can't deal with it. You don't know what's coming next. It looks like the end is here and the ground beneath your feet has just vanished and you're falling, and you don't have anything to hold on to. Your heart is wavering like a tree being blown over by the wind. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice in that moment for the voice of God to come to you and say, what you're afraid of is not going to happen. In fact, I will give you a sign. 
anything you want to see, I will give it to you to show you that it won't happen. I will give you proof. Anything as far down as the center of the earth or as high as the stars in the heaven, anything you ask for, I'll do to show to you, to prove to you that my word is true, that my promise will hold, and that you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. That would be a really, really comforting thing. That is what Ahaz received through the mouth of Isaiah here. Everything is falling down, but the word of God and all his comfort, and even, and even admitting, I mean, even uh, building up Ahaz's weakness of faith by offering a sign in conjunction, not just the promise of what he'll do, but a physical proof, a sign that this is going to come to pass. But Ahaz's relationship with God is so broken that he doesn't accept it. He doesn't trust the Lord. He doesn't trust his promises. And so he doesn't care about his signs. He wants to fix things his own way. Just looking a little bit closer at this historical context, Israel and Judah and really all the surrounding area is under the control of Assyria. This great and powerful nation, they've just got everything under lock. But Syria and Israel, the text refers to them as Ephraim, one of the tribes of Judah, they have come together and even though they are under Assyria's boot, they are building their forces together to rebel and fight back. And they've invited Judah in on this rebellion, into this battle. And Judah refuses. They're not going to do it. And so what they decide is, look, if you're not going to join us, we're going to go, we're going to conquer you, and we're going to set up a puppet king in the place of Ahaz. We're going to kick out the house of David, that line that was established and we're going to put a new puppet king there who's going to do what we want them to do. And what God does is he sends Isaiah to comfort Ahaz. We don't receive such specific messages like this. Things like, I know it looks bad, but you're not, you're not going to lose your job. Stick it out. I know it looks bad, but that sickness won't, won't get the better of them. I know it looks bad, but everything will be perfectly fine in this particular scenario in your life. We don't have those specific promises. But God has given us promises. He has given us instructions. He has given us his word. And if we follow his word in confidence that shows that we stand firm in faith knowing that he has us in his hands that what God has planned for us is better than we plan for ourselves we have to live that way we have to learn from Ahaz's mistake 
thinking about these things, we might be asking, okay, well, what does Jesus' birth have to do with these wars being fought 700 years before he even came around? How does this all come together? God's promise that he gave to Ahaz was not just a promise. It was a promise and a warning. He said, stand firm in faith or you will not stand firm at all. He has given them that promise that this thing will not come to pass, but that requirement there shows that it is not only a promise, but also a warning. You have access to all the power, the love, and the protection of the Lord, but if you do not stand firm in faith in Him, the Lord ensures, promises you that you will not stand at all. We have the promise, we have a requirement, we have a, a warning in this statement. But God does not just leave it on his shoulders because God's provision for faith in this was that he gave his own word, his own promise from the one who cannot lie, and his own sign. He would give a sign, anything, which is largely unprecedented. Uh, God gave sign after sign after sign throughout all history. He gave them, but he doesn't let people just ask him for signs and say, it, is, it says in Deuteronomy, do not test the Lord your God. He has given you promises. He has given you signs. Believe him. But here he gives Ahaz this blank check. This any sign possible. The Lord has given us promises and signs, and he calls us to stand firm in faith in him. We're going to look at that statement, to stand firm in faith, what is required in that. We're going to look at that warning a little bit more closely, or you will not stand firm at all. We'll look closely at the promise and the sign that God has given and what that means for us, what it means for the coming Christ. Stand firm in faith. What does it mean for Ahaz to stand firm? What does he need to stand firm in regard to? He's called to not fear the, Assyr the Assyrians or the Ephraimites who are attacking you. He's, they, these ones are as good as dead. He calls them... He says, be careful, be quiet, do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. They're not these raging fires that are going to consume you. They're just, they're just these smoldering stumps. He says, in 65 years, they're not even going to be a people anymore. Stand firm. Don't surrender to them. Don't be afraid of them. You don't need to do that. Stand firm. Put positively, not just do not do this, 
It is have courage in the face of opposition and attack. God says, do this. He says, this will happen. And so don't change those plans. Continue on the way that you were going. Do not change. Be built up and encouraged. And this, on the basis of faith in God, right? So you're standing firm, and it's in faith. That's an important distinction because you can stand firm in the way, but you're putting your strength and faith in something else completely. That's what Ahaz is doing right here. Because he doesn't surrender to Israel and to Syria. But his firm standing is not in faith, in God. His firm standing was based on the fact that he was going to go tattle on them to the Assyrians and become you know, their good boy who they support. And he was going to use their forces to win. And he was going to become uh, uh, in league, even more in league with them than just being basically owned by them. So Ahaz stood firm against Israel and Syria, but the strength that he had backing him was not the strength of the Lord God in heaven. It was the strength of the wicked, powerful, pagan empire who was ripping through. Well, look at them. They're strong. That's the power that I need. That's the power that will get me what I want. That's the power that will grant my success. Yeah, God says that, but you know what? I followed God here and there, and you know, I didn't get what I wanted. Things didn't turn out the way that I planned. If I want to get what I want, I need to go somewhere where there's real strong power. These people have power. I'll get it from them. To stand firm in faith means that he should not align himself with the Assyrians for victory. That God should be his strength. We too need to reject the alternatives to God's promise of provision. Stand firm and following the Lord, stand firm in following his commands, stand firm in faith in him alone. There's a million different promises and confidences that people have in this world. The atheist confidence is that, is that well, this life is all there is. I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to have security because when I die, there's nothing. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. And so I'll just live my best life now. I will take everything that I want and everything that I, I feel like doing. And there's nothing to fear because I am convinced that it'll just be a long sleep. That's their confidence. That's their hope. That there will be no repercussions. There's many other worldviews, many other promises, many other avenues to happiness and hope that can be mixed in or put on top or hedged in just in case Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't the one, just in case Jesus isn't strong enough. No. There is one hope. 
there is one Savior, there is one true reality. This faith is not just confidence in general, but a faith in the one who is promising. It is trusting our lives, our plans, our hopes, our dreams, and the one who has promised to us life eternal, forgiveness of sins, that he cares for you, that he will be your father, that he knows everything that is happening in your life, that he has sympathy for you. His promise, it shall not come to pass, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass to Ahaz. We have many more promises than that, many bigger promises. Ahaz did not want that sign. There's a quote from a commentator who says, evidence cannot create faith. It can only confirm it. Where there is not faith, evidence is merely unwelcome. Something which needs to be explained away. We'll get into that a little bit more in the third point, but Ahaz didn't want any of that. He already had a plan for success. And so he did not stand firm in faith. The warning here, the corollary, is, or you will not stand firm at all. The gospel itself is also a promise and a warning. Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. These are wonderful, glorious promises. This is the truth of salvation that has come for you. It is within your grasp because the Lord has brought it to earth. But the corollary to that is if you do not believe, repent you will not be part of the kingdom you'll be an enemy of the kingdom the corollary is if you do not confess your sins he is just to not forgive them it is the path to free unlimited grace but it is promise and warning. The requirement for Ahaz was not be good enough, work hard enough, be strong enough. It was have faith. Stand firm in faith. Trust what God has promised is true. Trust that God's plans are better than your plans. This is exactly our situation. We 
if you do not trust him, if you do not trust the promises for you, then you're in the same position as Ahaz. This is the condition of all mankind. Put your faith in God or you will perish. Stand firm in faith or you will not stand at all. In all of Scripture, when God demands something, when He requires something, He also gives us the means to do it. He doesn't just put a burden on him and say, here, carry this terribly heavy thing. How hard is it to have faith and to believe in in light of something so difficult? When your doors are being knocked down, not only by your enemies, but your brothers, when the pitchforks are surrounding you and everything in your life is falling apart, it is hard to trust. But God provides even further. He gives the promise of his word, his unfailing word, and he offers the sign. He doesn't just say, it shall not come to pass. He also says, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. You could ask for anything. Let the sun be blotted out. Give me an earthquake. How about a two-headed chicken? Anything. But evidence cannot create faith, as we read earlier. Ahaz already had a plan. He already knew how to have success. And he was a man who loved to mix in other things. He liked to use the surrounding gods from the area. He liked to give homage to the Assyrian gods and these gods and to mix and match. He didn't even, he didn't even trust his own god that much. He viewed his, his, the Lord God of the entire universe as a local deity, not the God who created all things out of the power of his word, who held him in his hands. He was unloyal and unfaithful. And so when the sign was promised to him, he didn't care. He didn't care that there was a sign to to give to him to verify because he didn't care about the promise it represented. And he gave a false humility reply saying, I dare not ask of a sign from the Lord because I'm not supposed to test the Lord. Well, this is a different situation. The Lord came to you. He has given signs in the past, and he has given to you the opportunity to have a sign to confirm his word. His rejection of that sign just shows that he was not interested in the promise either. And so what Isaiah does is he stops talking to Ahaz. We read, In verse 13, he's no longer addressing Ahaz as an individual. He switches the subject. He says, hear then, O house of David. Ahaz is in the house and line of David. His fathers go back to David, and his children will go down, and their sons will be called sons of David. It is the house of David. But he goes away from the individual who needs a promise and a sign for right now, and he broadens out 
and he gives a message and a promise for the entire line of David. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God offered a sign for Ahaz to signal the end of this particular conflict. And when he rejected it, a much bigger sign is given, not just for this particular conflict, but for the entire house. And generations to come through his line would have this promise as a member of the house of David. This promise is bigger than the Syrio-Ephraimite conflict. It's bigger than the Assyrian Empire. It's bigger than every geopolitical conflict that ever has happened or ever will happen. This promise refers to Genesis 3. The offspring of the woman will crush the serpent. Interesting that the promise is about the offspring of the woman, not the offspring of the woman and the man. This promise refers to 2 Samuel 7. The throne of David will be established forever. This promise refers to Genesis 15 and 22, that all the families and nations of the world will be blessed. In a few pages, Isaiah will expand on who this child is and what he will do. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will do this. So stand firm in the Lord. Follow his ways with confidence. Look at what he has promised for you because the seal of the Lord will do this. We said before that we don't get God's word coming to us individually from Isaiah saying that our business will succeed if we do A, B, C. Our family will be okay and nothing will ever go wrong. Our health will never waver. Our lives won't become more difficult than we thought. But we do have the word of the Lord for our lives. He has instructed us on how to live and honor him. He has given his promises, his love for us, his salvation that is currently applied to those who trust in him. And the fullness of that salvation promised as it will be realized when Christ comes again. He has promised that he is present with you now. He has promised that he holds you in his hands. He has promised that he knows every hair on your head. 
how much more does he know the cares within it? And he has given us signs to verify his faithfulness to us. 2,000 years ago, a virgin conceived and bore a son. Impossible. But promised and fulfilled. And we call his name Emmanuel. God with us. That child became a man, and no mere man at that. He is the God-man who bore the sins of the world. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king promised from the house of David. He has given us his promise and his signs. And if you stand firm in faith in him, you will benefit from his power, his love, his goodness, his forgiveness, his welcome into his family for all eternity. Just as with Ahaz, the promise comes with a warning that without faith, we will not stand at all. And so, in this season of Advent, as we look forward and we anticipate, let's use this time to appreciate and look at the signs that God has given, that verify his goodness to us, that verify his promises to us, his signs contained in his word and in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, the signs that were fulfilled in Christ as he came. the sign of a Savior to come, the virgin birth, but also remembering the sign of salvation itself, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has given us unmistakable signs. So look on them and believe. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us that you are gracious to us in our weakness. Lord, create in us hearts of faith that look to you, that cling to you, that cherish your promises, that look to your signs for strength. Lord, we lift you up. Lord, please lift us up. Hold us in your strength. Remind us of your goodness and promises. May your name be lifted up in glory and majesty this morning and forever. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.